0: more, and this is Rumble. I want to talk to you today about violence, but a different kind of violence, not the George Floyd trial that has just gotten underway, where they played an extended version of his murder, 9 minutes and 29 seconds, a horrific thing to witness again. We're not going to talk today about the shootings in Atlanta or Boulder. We're not going to talk about the National Rifle Association. We're not going to talk about the other mass slayings that have been going on. We're not going to talk about the Columbine anniversary. I'd like to talk about the mass stabbing in North Vancouver in Canada where a number of people were injured, but uh, sadly, um, one died. Only one died because when you have a mass knife attack, You don't have a gun spraying bullets. That's the way they do business in Canada. And yes, they have their people that lose their minds and uh, go crazy and try to kill people but have a hard time doing it because it's really hard to get a gun in Canada. I'm not going to talk about any of that today. We're not even going to talk about the violence that we're still living with from the former guy who sat in the White House for four years. We're not going to talk about his threat against Hillary or her supporters back in 2016, where he told all his, quote, Second Amendment people to get ready in case he needed them. We're not going to talk about all the threats of violence and and a call for a civil war should he not, quote, win the election last November. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about what happened on January 6th where an insurrection that he incited took place in our United States Capitol. At least five or six died, 130 Capitol police were injured. We're not going to talk about any of that. I'm not even going to bring up the fact that that 9-11-style commission that we were promised by the Democratic Party leadership uh, in Congress... They would get to the bottom of what has happened here. They've just forgotten about that. Nothing's happening with it. They're they're going to leave it up to the law enforcement and the Justice Department to investigate it. Where have we heard this before? Yes, the Justice Department will have an investigation and they will find out what happened. Well, of course, I understand. Yes, we've got a new Justice Department, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're not even going to talk about a form of violence that has been taking place in this country since the Civil War, which is the different ways that white people, and white leaders, go about trying to prevent black people from voting, from owning a home, from living the life that they want to live, from getting off the bottom rung of the economic ladder, All the violence that comes with that through enforced poverty, segregation, voter suppression, and now all these new laws that they're trying to pass, 200 plus new voting laws in at least 43 states to make it harder for the poor and people of color to vote. To the point where even in the state of Georgia, Georgia, Georgia that gave us In some ways, at least for right now, our country back. The governor signed a bill over the weekend, making many things now a crime to help people vote in Georgia. Most notably, it is now a crime to give food and water to people standing in a line that they've been standing in for three, four, five, six, seven hours. We're not going to talk about the violence of that. We're going to talk about something that happened on Thursday in my state, in Michigan. If you remember uh, back in 2020, there were a number of Michigan men arrested for planning to kidnap and potentially kill the governor of the state of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. They had planned this for months. They had conducted their own surveillance of her, of her private home, of her vacation home. They practiced with firearms and explosives and a potential kidnapping of how they would actually pull it off. They were discovered and they were arrested. And you haven't heard a whole lot about it since then. But after that, the threats And the potential violence against the women who run the state of Michigan. And that's exactly what the situation is. And this is exactly what's bothering so many of these literally millions of Trump supporters in Michigan, that the women are now in charge. We have a woman governor, Governor Whitmer. We have a woman attorney general, Dana Nussle, who also happens to be a lesbian. We have a woman who is our Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. And for our Lieutenant Governor, we have a black man by the name of Garland Gilchrist. So not a single white male in the top reaches of power in Lansing, the capital state of Michigan. Now, you would think it would be enough for the angry white men in my state that they control both the state house of representatives and the state Senate, which are majority Republican filled with numerous white men that are just as angry as they are. But no, the fact that the top four executive positions, governor, Lieutenant governor, secretary of state and attorney general are either women or black. And that, my friends in Michigan, is a bridge too far. And so the threats have continued. They've all spoken about their weekly, daily death threats that they receive for the crime of being female and in power and black and in power. Non-stop death threats. The most notable and visible one was just before Christmas, as our Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, was putting up the Christmas decorations, had the Christmas carols on, singing with her her young son, and she hears this noise outside her house, her private home, and looks out to see a number, a large number, a row of angry militia types on her front lawn, on the sidewalk, in front of her house, chanting, shouting, threatening. And she sees that a number of the men are holding guns and assault weapons at her home. Many of them are the same people who had shown up at the Michigan State Capitol, if you remember that, even earlier last year for a rally against the governor and her people and carried guns first onto the capitol lawn for the rally and then they marched into the actual capitol building itself with their guns first into the dome and then into the balcony into the actual place where the house of the senate were meeting in session it frightened everyone they immediately shut down the legislature and announced that the state capitol building would be closed for the next few days. Such a success story for the right wing. Wow, they actually shut down the state government, the state business. And they made our elected officials run and hide. <sighs> That was last spring. And that was the dry run for what we saw on January 6th at the United States Capitol. They figured, I'm I'm certain of this. Wow, we got away with this in Michigan. You know, Michigan is it's a large black population. Detroit, Flint, Saginaw, Pontiac, Benton Harbor, a number of majority black cities, large cities. No. They saw they got away with it there. Fuck, They could get away with this. We could do this in Washington, D.C. So one example after another of them threatening our elected representatives with guns, with violence, numerous death threats coming in via social media, Snail mail. The phone. (laughs) They won't let up. But then, last Thursday, March 25th, things took another turn. This time it wasn't the militia. It wasn't a bunch of yahoos with their guns running around in the woods and then showing up at the Secretary of State's house or showing up inside the Capitol. No, Last Thursday... The chairman of the Michigan Republican Party, speaking to a number of Michigan Republicans who wanted to make sure that their new chairman, by the way, he'd been the chairman twice before in the last uh, uh, decade or two, but they didn't like who the chairwoman was during this 2020 campaign because, according to them, she lost Michigan for Trump. Michigan went for Biden. So they wanted to remove her, and they, they put him in, brought him back. His name is Ron Weiser. Ron Weiser, in addition to being the, the new and former chair of the Michigan Republican Party, also sits on the board of regents of the University of Michigan. He's a regent, elected regent, that along with his fellow regents, runs one of our great public universities in this country, the University of Michigan. And on Thursday, because a lot of the Republicans, the Trump lovers in Michigan, they wanted to be reassured by him of first his loyalty to Trump, his commitment to remove all Democrats as quickly as possible. And they wanted to make sure that none of the money that they had raised for the Michigan Republican Party would ever go to the two Michigan Republican congressmen who voted to impeach Donald J. Trump in January. Congressman Fred Upton and Congressman Peter Meyer, Republicans, were two of the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach. And this crowd was angry and they wanted to make sure no money would go to them again. And they wanted to make sure that all money and all efforts would go into next year's 2022 election. I'm going to play you a little audio clip from that meeting on Thursday where Republican Chairman Ron Weiser answers the question referring to the three women who run the state of Michigan by a certain name. And then after that, you will hear him regrettably tell the audience that uh, the only way to truly remove them, we probably can't uh, get away with it. Um, I'm, I'll just I'll just play it for you, and you can listen to this, and I'll see you in, in a few seconds on the other end of this. Yep. We want to sure that our donations aren't going to the candidates that have not supported us. How do we do that? How do we help the people- well first of all we're focused on the things that i told you before we're focused on the three witches we're focused on the eight ed board seats we're focused on the majorities for the house and the senate our state and senate we can't win without when we don't have our own leadership that has our backs, right? Right. Right. Our backs
1: correct our correct correct yep that's what we need to worry about yep. we'll well,
0: I, other than, ma'am,
1: other than assassination, I have no other way of going Okay? Do you people have to go out there and support their opponents.
0: You have to do what you need to get out the vote in those areas. That's how you beat people. We don't, we don't supply their funds. We do not supply their funds. It's... You heard it, so he calls them witches. It's become a thing all across Michigan in Republican and right wing circles to refer to the three of them as witches to even bring up the word assassinate or assassination when talking about whether it's the the three women that run the state of Michigan or whether. It's about these two Republican congressmen, you know. They because the angry crowd wanted to make sure none of the their Republican money was going to go to these Republicans that voted to impeach Trump. And somebody shouts out, "Isn't there well, there's some way? Isn't there something we?" And he goes, "Yeah, assassinate, assassination. This is so beyond the pale, my friends. And everyone, no matter what your political position is, must speak out against it. This is just fanning the flames of a diseased fire." in minds that are already sick. There was a big hue and a cry about that uh, So over the weekend. So by uh, Sunday, uh, he offered his that kind of fake apology they always do because there's a movement afoot to remove him from the Board of Regents of the University of Michigan. So I hope to God they take him down and remove him from office. <laughs> once again, Gretchen Whitmer and Dana Nussle and jocelyn benson have to worry about their lives now worry about their lives not just being threatened not just i I mean i'm telling you (laughs) this is i I don't i'm 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 stumbling around here because i'm hesitant to uh, say what i believe but i think it needs to be said because we need to stop this we need to protect them and we need to stop anybody who has any inkling or any idea of committing an act of violence against them. I mean, you have to, you must, we all must feel that if this is so sick and so sad that it's taken this long, so long for women to hold any kind of position of authority, of power. And then they have to endure this, and we're not anywhere near the fact that women are the majority gender in this country. They don't hold the majority of state houses and governorships and uh, Senate seats and, and uh, seats in the House of Representatives. In, in our U.S. Congress, only 25% of it is women. 51% of the population, 25% of representation. We used to have a name for that, didn't we? When, when the majority is suppressed and ruled by the minority gender in this case. <sighs> and then they have to endure these threats of violence. And actual acts of violence. The federal judge in New Jersey, a year or so ago. The guy came to the door to kill her, instead he injured her husband and killed her her son. This is the new norm. This is the new violence. This is the violence I wanted to talk about today. And the threat of this violence as issued by this GOP chairman in Michigan and the threat of the violence from the ones, the militia guys who were arrested. A threat of violence is violence. And unless we stand up to it, I don't know now... <laughs> What I was stumbling around to say, I didn't want to say, and now I'm back. I've circled back, and now it's my brain and my conscience is saying, Mike, you've got to say this. Okay, so I'll say it. Something bad's going to happen here. I may mean, not be in Michigan, but it's going to happen, my friends, because there are just enough crazies who, upon seeing that nothing happens to those who threaten this violence... In fact, they get to stay on the border regions of the University of Michigan. I don't want this to happen. I won't let this happen. And I have to tell you, it's 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 um I mean, look, I know this from my own personal life of what I've had to deal with for a number of years. The threats against me, the threats that have come to me via, you name it, Rush Limbaugh, the people that they have as guests on Fox News. I've been the poster boy for this uh, many years. And, um, and I've had to, I've had to endure at least a half a dozen times, uh, various acts of violence against me on the street, in an auditorium, um, it's um it has not been easy, I will just admit that. And I, I accept, I understand the risk involved in doing the work I do and making the movies I make, etc. Speaking out, um I've been very lucky. <laughs> this is the episode of Rumble that they'll run on the news that night. That I'm not so lucky. <laughs> I'm just I'm only laughing because, you know, it's the you know the dark, the dark irish here in us that's uh, uh can deal with this if we can through our own sense of humor nonetheless it's not funny and um i've told you what happened i wrote about it in my uh book a decade ago about the guy that uh was going to blow up my house and uh, the only reason it didn't happen is he was cleaning as he was cleaning as His uh, assault rifle. It went off accidentally in his home. And he, um, a neighbor heard it, called the cops. Cops came, arrested him, saw the bomb-making material he was doing, he was putting together, got his diary, saw his list of people that he wanted to assassinate. What a word. Hmm, Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, I lucked out there but i have felt for some time that those who play around with this idea of violence who threaten it who who publicly essentially call for it or try to put an idea into people's heads can we just play one one more let's we're going to play one more thing here just a very short 20 second thing but this is because i don't want to belabor this um, and I'm only saying it in terms of my own personal empathy for what these individuals are going through because I've had to go through it uh, for a long time. And we'll get off, uh, we'll get off my thing here. But I just want you to know that everything I'm telling you on this episode is coming from a very, very personal place in my soul. Um, Glenn Beck, the right wing radio host, a few years ago just randomly started this rant live on radio, on his show, all across America. I'm thinking about killing Michael Moore, and I'm wondering if I could kill him myself or if I would need to hire somebody to do it. I think I could. I think he could be looking me in the eye, you know, and I could just be choking the life out. Is this wrong? And then he went on to make a joke about it—that uh, he wears one of those "What Would Jesus Do?" bracelets. And while he was, you know, going to be choking the life out of me, he'd look down and he'd see the bracelet. What would Jesus do? And then he'd say to himself, no, "I don't know if Jesus would do this. Yeah, maybe he would. Eh, maybe not. Okay, maybe I, maybe I better not kill him tonight." <sighs> this comment by the chair of the Michigan Republican Party, like these other comments. It makes you, first of all, you have to ask yourself, if this is what they're willing to say in public, what do they say in private when they're just talking amongst each other, when the, no one's listening? These are the public things they're willing to say. It's very important when they say it, and in the case of Ron Weiser here in Michigan, you must believe him. You must believe him the first time he says something. Any apology afterwards after there's an uproar. That's just a pro forma sort of thing. That's what, you know, of course, that's the way Trump always talked. When you make a call for extreme behavior and then walk it back, the damage has been done. The troops have been primed. Because the troops, this call for violence, it's a clarion call to the nutcase base. It's a normalization of murderous talk. It's dehumanizing. It keeps putting the idea out there that our female leaders are less than human. Democrats are less than human. Black and brown Americans are less than human. And they deserve to die. Or at the very least, it's saying that, well, they may need to die. And you see it now all the time with these white guys. See, they know what's going on. They see. They're not stupid. They know that sometime in the 2040s, white men are going to be the minority, people of color, and women, who are already the majority, are going to be in charge. This is the last gasp of the Confederate South. And it's the last attempt to brainwash people, to become part of the right, to watch these for-profit news corporations so that the people in charge can make more money off the idiocy of these men. But in some ways, it's so much bigger than that. That the insane right would talk of witches and burning these women leaders at the stake and assassinations and use stolen elections as their cover for attempting to actually steal one. To put forth a belief in a Jesus that's a vengeful Jesus, they learn that it has no consequence. And then January 6th happens. Or before that, a few years ago, Gabby Giffords. Or anybody else they don't like the threat of violence. Just this last week, the guy in Texas who ambushed a National Guard unit for transporting vaccine into Texas and using an assault weapon to do so. They think they can get away with this. That's why we have to stand up, stand against this, demand justice, And protect women and people of color who are now taking power by the will of the people. But, you know, in thinking about this episode today, it's, I just, I thought, I don't know, I thought about this all day and I'm I'm looking up at the George Floyd, the trial of that police officer for murdering him. (laughs) And just continually asking myself this question, how do those of us who want peace and nonviolence deal with the fact that the other side is violent, heavily armed, and on the attack? Are we being naive and letting our guard down? Oh, we got rid of Trump. Everything's cool. But are we now, in fact, making ourselves easier targets? (laughs) Look, the horse is out of the barn. The right-wing violent rhetoric has now been happening for years. It's on the increase, and they're following through on it. So how do we, you and me, make this recede? We like to think that law enforcement will have our back the cops and the FBI will not stand for these types of citizens. But as we've learned, we must also fear law enforcement themselves. Look how many participated in the January 6th insurrection. Police, -police, ex-police, on-duty police, military, former military. It wasn't just two or three. Many of them, sadly, are sympathetic to this racist, misogynist cause of turning back the clock on progress. And if we are supposed to remain unarmed and peaceful, which is what I'm in favor of, but the cops are not on our side, then aren't we in more danger? Hate must have consequences. Now, these haters, I'll give it to them. They have incredible instincts. They accuse the Democrats of what they are actually doing themselves. They deny the pandemic. They fight the people wearing masks. They are fighting the right of the government to close things down in order to protect people's lives. What they're actually doing is trying to kill people. (laughs) They're trying to eliminate people's lives. It's a genius move, in a way, on their part, and it gives those that they have brainwashed a story to hide and stay in line behind. The elected prosecutor of Macomb County, just outside of Detroit, um, you might have heard what he said here recently. He called the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, a cold-blooded killer, that she had cold-blooded because of the decisions that she had made to try and keep Michiganders alive, that her decisions have resulted in the deaths of people in nursing homes or whatever. But by public, this is a prosecutor now. This is an elected person who's in the county meant to uphold, defend, prosecute the law. By calling her a cold-blooded killer, you know what that's meant to do. It's meant to justify any violence that may be perpetrated against her. This guy. When people like this prosecutor, Peter Lucido, say things like this, it's a way to get the troops all frenzied up. But the truth is, it's the only way they can stay in power. And if needed, and I hate to say it, attempt to have killed or to kill the people who are actually in power by the will of the people. And the blood will be on their hands if anything happens. But let's, instead of talking, and we always talk about violence here after Columbine and 12. Students are killed after Sandy Hook and 20 students are killed after uh, Atlanta and six Asian women are killed and two others. And bold, you know, it's always after the fact. The purpose of this episode of Rumble is to prevent, prevent the next act of violence, the next act of political violence. This requires all of us, not just people who live in Michigan, people all over the country. They must not be able to get away with saying these things. When Glenn Beck said that on his show years ago about um, how much he wanted to kill me and he thinks that he could get away with it, I I thought for certain he'd get a call from some law enforcement agency. Can you just say that? But no, nobody nobody went and did anything to Glenn Beck about this. I, I, I mean, I'm, you know... I am hugely in favor of free speech. I don't want to curtail anybody, no matter how crazy what they believe in, they should be able to say it. I'm one of those uh, people. I joined Bernie in, in thinking that, uh, uh, you know, I know you're not going like to like, but I think taking Trump off Twitter, I don't know. You got to watch it there with this sort of thing. You got to believe in free speech, even, even for the assholes. But how free is the speech? I mean, the Supreme Court has made it clear and we all learned this. Hopefully you learned it in school. Well, back when they had civics, you learned it, uh, that you cannot shout fire in a crowded theater because a stampede would take place and people would die. So therefore you can't do that. There are certain things you can't say that could cause harm to people. If you go on your radio show and say, you know, we need to, we need to take Michael Moore out. We need to kill him. When you say in Oakland County in Michigan last Thursday, you call them witches and then you talk about assassination. Shouldn't you get a visit from the FBI? From somebody? How far can a person go in threatening murder? I mean, for instance, if somebody were to say, even say it on a radio show uh, today, that at 10 o'clock tonight, uh, I'm going to go Uh, to uh, hear Michael Moore. uh, I'm going to go at the end of his speech at this college, and um, I'm going to kill him. I don't think you can say that. Can you say that? If you actually state the the place and the time as to where you're going to commit murder, don't the police show up at that point? Somebody should do something, right? Maybe we need a law. Maybe we need a law that says that you cannot make death threats. (laughs) A death threat is the same as putting your finger in the pocket of your jacket and making it look to the bank teller like you've got a gun, even though you don't have a gun. We don't let you say, oh, that wasn't an armed robbery. Oh, yes, it was. Because the person who you were robbing thought you had a gun. So if you say that you're going to do something to somebody or you're encouraging people to create acts of violence against somebody, shouldn't that? be wrong? Shouldn't that be illegal? Shouldn't there be a law? If a group of men showed up on my front porch, on my sidewalk, on my front lawn, like they did to the Secretary of State in Michigan with their assault weapons, and they're shouting at me, and they're holding guns, I don't know. Isn't there a moral or legal um, right that I have to remove the threat that's standing on my front lawn with an assault weapon? Or do I just call 911 and wait till they come? I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what's happening. Did the Secretary of State have that right? I'm sure she doesn't think so and certainly wouldn't want to do anything like that. But those of us who are peaceful people, those of us who are pacifists, at what point here do we stand and protect those who this group of individuals want to hurt, want to kill? I don't know. Listen, I have a special guest um, I want to bring on just for the last few minutes of uh, today's episode but uh, first I wanted to um, uh, thank our underwriter for this episode today. uh, The great people at Amazon Prime Studios uh, the people that are bringing us all these great films and documentaries and and especially um, the one that's underwriting today's episode. The Oscar nominated documentary entitled Time and it was directed by Garrett Bradley Time, man this is a powerful film. It's the most honored documentary of the year, and it was just nominated for the Academy Awards for Best Documentary Feature, the Academy Awards that are coming up at the end of April. It's also been nominated for Best Documentary by the Independent Spirit Awards and for Outstanding Producer of a Documentary by the Producers Guild of America. So it's, it's had numerous nominations, numerous awards already granted uh, to it, I mean just just listen to the list of awards that time has already won uh, doc NYC, sundance film festival the gotham awards the ida documentary awards the new york film critics the la film critics the national society of film Crit- okay you're getting the gist of this right i mean there's a reason why i and others are so high on this film and why everybody is buzzing about it garrett has accomplished something i have to say is so profound She's made both a beautiful love story, but also a powerful film about America's cruel and racist prison industrial complex. The film tells the story of a woman named Fox Rich, who has spent the last two decades campaigning for the release of her husband, Rob G. Rich, who is serving a 60-year prison sentence for a robbery that they both committed in the early 1990s in a moment Of desperation. Bradley, the director, paints a mesmerizing portrait of the resilience and radical love necessary to prevail over the endless separations caused by this country's mass incarceration epidemic. So, do yourself a favor my friends, watch Time on Prime. And if you don't have a Prime membership, do a free trial just to watch this film. Sign up for the free trial, watch this movie, And I'll have a link to this film in the description page right here for this episode. Again, I want to thank Amazon Studios for supporting this podcast, for supporting my voice, and supporting the work of talented filmmakers like Garrett Bradley and her excellent film, Time. I've invited... Uh, Here, uh, just to finish out this episode, Um, an old friend of mine who happens to be the congressperson from the state of Michigan, from the uh, 5th Congressional District that covers uh, Flint and Saginaw and Bay City. Um, And I wanted him to come on. I've not had a chance to talk to him about this, but I asked if he was free tonight, and he said yes. And I... I just wanted him to come on and speak as an elected official from the state of Michigan, um, how he felt about the, the this new threat, this new kind of threat uh, that happened last Thursday in Michigan, and what can we do about it. His name is Dan Kildy, Representative Dan Kildee, uh from uh, the Fifth Congressional District in Michigan. And uh, Dan, are you there? I am. Hi, thank you very much. So I've I've just been talking uh, to the people listening to the podcast about, I told them what happened last Thursday night with uh, Ron Weiser, the chair of the, the Michigan GOP, and how upset a lot of people are for his use of the word assassination and witches, but we, meaning I've, I've been talking to the people listening to this podcast. So what can we do? And, and, and I, I preface this tonight by saying I'm tired of having these, Podcasts about acts of violence after they occur, after Columbine, after Boulder, after Atlanta. You know, I I want us to talk before it happens. I want us to talk prevention. What can we do to stand, and I'm speaking now in a very specific sense, to protect the three women and one black man that runs the executive branch of our government in Michigan? What can we do? to make sure that nothing happens to them? What can we do to ask law enforcement or somebody to pay a visit to the chair of the Republican Party in Michigan, to pay a visit to the Macomb County prosecutor who tried to whip up the right-wing base by calling her a cold-blooded killer? I'm sure you've thought about this because as you told us the last time you were on after the January 6th insurrection, you were there when they were breaking in to the United States House of Representatives. You and the ones who were up in the balcony in the, in the gallery uh, were on the floor thinking these may be the last minutes of your life. So you personally know what it feels like to have your life in jeopardy and where it could possibly end in the next few minutes. I mean, Dan, Um, help me out here because I will not be silent about this and I want actions that results in prevention.
1: Well, and you're right to, to raise this because, you know, as you know, I lived through an attack that was predictable because we had, just like Ron Weiser, only in this case, the President of the United States, then using the very same sort of tropes and language with the full knowledge that this could lead, and predictably would lead, to a violent act. And so I thought, until just recently, that we had the laws on the books to deal with this stuff. You know, because I know of people who have threatened members of Congress or used threatening language that are talked about doing violence to them, that have gone away, that have had to go away because
0: so there, there are consequences there are. if you do that yeah. to a member of Congress. Right,
1: right. And so I just had been operating on the assumption that a person who incites another to commit a violent act is a party to that violence. And that's not really a complicated conclusion to come to. But somehow, and and I can't lay it all on Trump, but this is the age of Trump, you know, even though he's gone We're still living in the consequence of his presence. And suddenly inciting violence is claimed to be speech somehow. And even when I saw Ron Weiser, who is the head of the Republican Party in Michigan, talking about assassination of members of Congress, referring to the three chief elected officials uh, in Michigan as witches, uh, you know his his explanation was well poor choice of words what hmm. you know i'm done with this poor choice i misspoke i should have chosen my words more carefully no we should have chosen a republican party chairman more carefully as a state i suppose but hmm. this idea that it's all excusable as some first amendment right you don't we don't have the right to incite people to violent acts and so i i am I'm really concerned that we don't have adequate law that anticipated this moment, that anticipated that people of responsible positions would do this sort of thing and then try to explain it away. And so I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I knew there was a law on the books that could take Ron Weiser to court for simply making the suggestion that two... Mind you, Republican members, but they don't distinguish. They're either Trump or no Trump. Um, The two Republican members, the only way to deal with them is through assassination. I mean.
0: Yeah. And we're we're talking about, I mentioned them earlier. We're talking about the, the two Michigan Republican members of Congress who voted to impeach Donald Trump, Upton and Meyer.
1: Right. I mean, and they're guys that I have big disagreements with on a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. Well, when push came to shove, I mean, they voted to impeach uh, Donald Trump. So, you know what, I hold them in a significantly higher regard than I did before. But unfortunately, people like Ron Weiser think it's okay to make suggestions that people may take seriously. And we can't, no one can say anymore that, that these suggestions won't be taking, taken seriously i know i know you know we all know but i lived through it i lived through an experience where my life was at risk five people died hmm. uh because an irresponsible blowhard decided that they were going to use this sort of language for whatever reason i don't know why they do it but for whatever reason so i'm i, I don't know michael i mean i you know, you and I go way back. ACLU members defending the right of the most yeah. of the most offensive sure. church, right?
0: Correct. Correct.
1: But not suggestions of violence, not inciting
0: murder. Right. And and you know, Dan, it's it's uh, if if it was just some some guy on the street uh, threatening a member of Congress with violence, and you're right, they will arrest him. There will be a trial. Uh, that that threat will go away, no matter how much they claim. That if they if they claim he's crazy and insane, well then they'll be, he'll be sent to a place for the insane. But it it um it will be dealt with. But the fact the fact that the head of the Republican Party in Michigan, uh, once there's an uproar over what he's said about uh, the the three women um, who run our government in in the executive branch in Michigan, and the two. Republicans who voted to impeach Trump, uh, referring to assassination. It, it, and then he says, as you said later, he's, ah, oh, you know, just uh, wrong, wrong words. Just kidding. But I've pointed out here that if you have your finger and thumb in the shape of a gun in your coat pocket pointing it at me, you don't get to say later, hey, just kidding. No. and you know- Wrong, wrong gesture, Mike. It was a wrong gesture.
1: Yeah, right. Well, here and here's the thing, you know, Some younger people around me occasionally use a phrase, sorry, not sorry.
0: Right, right.
1: They're not sorry. They got caught. And you know the dirty little secret is in their little circles, wherever they may be, at the country club or wherever. They're patting him on the back. Oh, yeah. They're loving this. Right. There's There's no sorrow. There's no regret. They just know that he had a moment he had a hot mic moment that got caught, and this is what they have lived on. This has been their energy, their fuel, this hatred this this sort of sense of entitlement to to take any action in order to defend their narrow interests this is what that's what it's about I mean
0: but if we don't do something, if we don't figure out a way to prevent, I just am so afraid, Dan. And I'm not—I'm not a paranoid person. I just have lived long enough in this country, and with our reams and reams of violence and violent behavior and whatever, and to where it's—it's it's been elevated to a new level. It got elevated on the day that—that that five years ago, where uh, Trump said he might need a Second Amendment people if Hillary won. Um, I just think that. Uh, if we don't do something, bad's going to happen, Dan. Yeah. I hate—I mean, right. I hate to say that, especially because of you. Because, but there's 535 members of Congress, and and all the people in all the state houses, and the governors, and the and the women who are elected, African Americans who are elected, whatever. That um, that that if you are one of these people, believe—I mean, I've talked to more than just you, Dan. That this is a—it's on everybody. It's the front of everybody's mind.
1: Sure is. And if here's not, here's here's the thing too. Something bad is gonna happen. Because it's yeah. the natural consequence of this, and we've already yeah. seen it. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it. It wasn't you know, it wasn't a, a, a conspiracy that never came to pass. We saw it played out before our very eyes. We saw the attack. I was there. I was I was on I was texting with you during the thing, you know? Yeah. Right. I still remember asking you, you know, can you see the National Guard? Are they here yet?
0: You know, yeah, know. you're having to text me and ask me what I'm seeing on TV. But I also, I also told you, you got to take off that pin, yeah, that congressional pin, yeah, <laughs> because if they get in there, we did. And no, I know I saw in in what you were videotaping. Everybody, all the other members took the the pins off, yeah, because it looked like they were going to get in, Dan. Let's just be honest. Well,
1: we we were almost certain they were going to get in, and I looked at. Those doors bowing, and I looked at the five or six police officers that were there with, you know, handguns, and I thought, shit, this is not going to end well, you know? Right,
0: and these are the doors in the gallery. The downstairs, they're kind of bigger and tougher, but I've sat up there, Dan, oh, <laughs> as yeah, you know. The, the, those, are rickety, those are rickety doors.
1: And, of course, now they're changing them. You know, of Thank course, wow, yeah. right? Yeah, now. You know, it's going to be a hardened uh, safe room. The, the, the floor of the House of Representatives, get this is now being built out as a hardened safe room because of this wow so but the other thing i was going to point out is that yes something really bad is going to happen in that there will be viol- there will be more violence unless unless somehow we somehow we can quickly act and have consequences for the people who are inciting this it can't just be that he has a bad press day Right? Yeah. That's right now. That's all Ryan Weiser's had. A bad press day. Yeah. You know, that's not a consequence. But here's the other, the real, I think dangerous piece of this, and I'll I'll just be completely transparent. Yeah. I I can't tell you that I haven't had to think twice about the things I say now for fear of being targeted. Now, I still summon the courage, believe me to do the stuff I know I have to do. But this is why it's so dangerous. This is why this is so so scary for our democracy. Because if me, a guy from Flint, right? With all the shit we've been through. If if I can think to myself, you know, I know I know what I got to say and I know there's going to be a consequence for it. But I so far, i stick with it. There are people out there who are on our side who naturally are going to fear for the health and safety of their families of their, or themselves. Right. And, if, and if, if, if one moment of speech is shut down out of fear of violence, that's the consequence I worry about as much as I do the act of violence itself we've lost our democracy at that point we have been intimidated we could be intimidated into silence mm. that's scary those people who were attacking the Capitol on january 6th they said they were there because the president told them to go yeah and so when you know when somebody you know i don't want to predict these things because i don't want to get in that game but if something happens and somebody can point to um, either the Macomb County officials' comments about cold-blooded murderer or you know, the suggestion that the only way to stop members of Congress is through assassination from doing what they think is the right thing, or demonizing, quite literally demonizing by calling them witches. Uh, people who are elected officials of the state of Michigan, who are elected by a majority of the people, uh, but by demonizing and dehumanizing them, it makes violence more likely. If you take the humanity away from somebody, then somebody who's less stable can just justify to themselves that they're not really hurting somebody. They're, you know, they're going after this evil spirit, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we know that's crazy, right? But they don't. And, and I, so I, I do worry about the fact that we apparently do not have a legal structure that anticipated political leaders of consequence inciting violence, and we better get our arms around that.
0: Well, I hope you can lead the way on that. I just, you know, the the nine eleven style commission that was supposed to happen yeah. regarding the January 6th, is, is anything happening with that? Well, I, talk, well? I, I talked to Nancy about that a couple
1: of weeks ago, and, and you know, she was— very focused on getting it done. And the Republicans insisted on if they were to participate, that it has to be equal parts looking at the January 6th uh, events and examining black lives matter marches and all this bullshit. And it's just about turning it into a circus. And so, you know, I, I know she, uh, we all still want to see a serious, 9-11 9-11 style commission, to get to the facts and daylight those facts. But Kevin McCarthy, who had like a 30-second moment of truth on the night of January 6th, mm-hmm. gone back to his his ways. He's, he's enabling this by insisting that, that it be turned into something that is a joke.
0: So it may not happen.
1: It may not, very well may not happen. Wow. Yeah. wow wow wow
0: wow oh wow, man um i know there's so many other things in front of us we have to save people's lives with, with this pandemic we've that's obviously job one um but i don't you know I, as a citizen I, I i feel a certain responsibility even though i'm only one of 330 million that nothing happened to any elected official who's there because of the will of the people and if something happens to the governor of michigan the lieutenant governor who's a black man the other two women that, that are the attorney general and the secretary of state uh, i will feel i will feel not only sick and sad and angry um i will feel in my my small small percentage point of responsibility because i didn't do anything about it
1: yeah. no i i i totally hear you i feel the same way like where's that where's the outrage yeah
0: well you know, you've got enough on your shoulders. You know, do what you can do. let's Let's try to prevent this and other acts of political violence because this can't continue. The people have spoken loudly and clearly who they want running the country. Yeah. and we just have to make sure that that happens and continues. Uh, listen, um we have to go. but dan, i um I thank you for coming on here on, on uh, such a short notice. Um, I didn't know I'd be talking to you tonight from Flint. So that makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I, I assume Congress is on a recess for yeah. Passover and Easter and spring and yeah. uh, whatever you whatever you worship. <laughs> um, but thank you for for doing that. And um, and Dan, I mean this w- with all sincerity. I I I am justifiably concerned for the safety of every one, especially every Democratic elected member of Congress, but also for those two, those 10 Republicans that voted to impeach. Right. They're considered traitors to the cause. And man, we need to be proactive on this, on anybody who issues a threat of violence must be spoken to, censured, removed, whatever it let is. is. Let's, let's not let anything happen to anybody. And I, as your friend, encourage you to stay safe and stay strong and I don't want to have to replay a piece of this episode tonight yeah <laughs> in the future right. uh if you get my drift right. so let's just let's uh let's fight this uh the violence the potential violence all violence in this country uh I'm sick and tired of people seeing us for the violent people that we are and because I have to tell you the majority of Americans are not violent people right and Nobody wants to live like this, so let's let's prevent it and let's bring an end to it. Amen to that. All right, my friend. Um, thank you. Uh, be well. Enjoy the holiday, and uh, and and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Michael. All right. Take care, Dan. Bye bye. Right. Well, that's it for uh, today's episode of Rumble. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I, I know that I uh, I feel very emotional about this, but I've You know, I've had to live through it myself and I don't want anybody else to have to live through it. And I certainly don't want anybody um, uh, who is black or female uh, who has been elected by the people ever have to think for a second that anything's going to happen to them or their families or whatever. And so that's why I just encourage everybody to make your voices heard in whatever way you need to do that so that doesn't happen. All right, that's it. Uh, Thank you. Thanks to my executive producer here, Basil Hamden, uh, to our editor, Nick Quaz, uh, to all the people uh, who are underwriters and supporters of uh, this podcast. It means a lot uh, to me that you keep us going during this time. This is Rumble, and I am Michael Moore.